I think this is one of the multi-billion dollar trends that like you could be on right now. And I don't say that for hyperbole, like literally this is the window. The tech is just now finally good enough. It's not quite there, but you need to start now and you could disrupt all of these marketplaces. All right. Uh, I went out with uh, Hassan last night for dinner. Can I tell you about it really quick? It, Do it. It was awesome. So you, he like admires you a lot. Do you know that? I admire him a lot. <laughs> so uh, you pronounce his name Minhaj or Minaj? Minhaj, right? With an H? I think I think his name is actually pronounced Hassan Minhaj. And Hassan? everybody calls him H- Hassan Minaj because it sounds awesome. And it's like Nicki Minaj. Nicki Minaj. Um, and so, you know, whatever. I, I don't know what the, I don't know how, how strict he is on that. Well, we, so basically the story of this is Sean interviewed him uh, last year. I thought I saw him on the street and I ran up and like went and said, hey, and it actually wasn't him. And I looked like an idiot and I tweeted about it and he texted me. I guess he got my number from you and he texted me and we went and hung out. So this guy's like this, you know, pretty big deal comedian. He is so smart. He's so much smarter than I am. And that's what I, I learned that. <laughs> and number two, I was so intimidated to be around him because I didn't know if like if I, I was like, can I make him laugh? If I can make him laugh, I'm like, this is a win. And I, I really didn't. I didn't make him laugh. <laughs> I, I failed. I, I did not. I cannot make him laugh. And he like showed me these books that he's reading and I wanted to Google, like I wanted to tweet this out, but I was too embarrassed. So maybe you could tell me, but I like, like Googled like books on how to be funny. Cause after yeah. I hung out, after I hung out with him, I, I was like, dude, this guy's got me in a trance. He could tell me about anything. He's so funny and good at storytelling. Like I'm so into it. And I was like, I want to figure out how to be funny. And I went on Amazon and I Googled like how to be funny or like how to be clever. And do you remember years ago when I wrote that article about this guy who games the Amazon Kindle system to rank really high and it's like shit books, but he like buys reviews. Dude, it's like six of the top 10 on page one. were all him. (laughs) It's all this guy. I know the author. I know the guy's name. So it's all bullshit. What is there? Are there good books that I can read? You think on how to be funny or how to be clever? Like I felt like such a nerd. Like I was going to tweet this out, but I'm going to look like the biggest virgin on earth. Just like how do I like be clever in a conversation? Yeah, I, I don't know, dude. That I feel like this is a. Um, it's like a. Tr- it's like a skill that's only passed down, like you know, by hand, and you can. It's only like trial by fire. Like you have to like learn this when you're 12, and get good at like busting people's balls and like saying the funny thing in class. Um, like <laughs> Theo Vaughn has this like hilarious, I know you like Theo too. So here's this hilarious story. He tells, he goes, dude, I was in my like freshman. I remember the first time I realized I was funny as a comedian. He's like, I was a, it was my freshman year at college and I was going to school in Louisiana or whatever. He's like, and my professor said to our class, he was like, you know, look to your left, look to your right, you know. Statistics will say that, uh, you know, one one of the one of the three of you, uh, one out of every three people are going to end up being like a child, uh, whatever, molester or something like that. He goes, and I stood up and I just go, not it. <laughs> he's like, I killed. And yeah. then he's like, he's like, that was the moment. <laughs> and first of all, it's just a hilarious story. And secondly, uh, I think there's some truth to like. You have these little moments where you get rewarded for being funny early on in life. And you're like, ooh, more of that. 
more of that. All right. How do I get more? That laugh no, was, but, I, I want uh, more of that. And then you just keep doing it. Talent's real, but I think it's a, I think just like anything, like, you know, some people will never be able to dunk, but you definitely can improve. You can learn how to dribble better than before. For sure. Like there's gotta be a, a skill. There, there's definitely a skill here. Uh, you know, I think like the best are definitely just born better, but I can be good. I can be good at there's least. There's a YouTube video that you should watch. So I've gone down this rabbit hole, probably also after I met Hudson, and I was like, shit. He would tell me a story on the pod where he'd be talking, and I'm so into the story. I'm like, you know, what is it? Eating out the palm of his hand. And then he would ask me a question mid-story, and I just, I'm like nodding. Like, I'm still listening. Like, it's a TV show. And then I didn't realize that he said something to me. Like, he said, he was telling some stories. Like, everybody's got that kid growing up. Like, you had that kid. Who, who was it for you? And I was so like enthralled by the story that I was just like, yes. And I realized (laughs) that I was like, oh, he asked me for a name. And then I thought about who that would be. Because I said, now I'd said yes, that there is a kid. And he's like, who was it? And I was like, I can't remember any names growing up. I'm so into you that I've like forgotten who I am and my entire past. And so, you know, that was what was happening when he was telling stories. All right, quick message from our sponsor. We know that growing pains hurt. And when you're a startup sales team, you know that pain all too well. Thankfully, there's the HubSpot for Startups program. It's a special program that gives startups discounts on HubSpot. The platform unites your entire front office from marketing to sales to support. Plus, they have a ton of other resources that startup founders can use to scale. So get ready to close more deals and make growing pains a thing of the past. Visit HubSpot.com slash startups to see how much you can save. But he, I asked him afterwards, and I think he gave me a YouTube video that was fun, that, that, he, that he's like, this is kind of interesting. Um, so it's called Mark Norman, How to Write a Joke. And I think it's like an hour-long podcast. So it's the, the thing is called Writing a Joke with Mark Norman. And Mark Norman is a good joke writer. He's a funny comedian. Um, yeah, he's great. And this one-hour thing, he like kind of breaks down some of the, the like mechanics of what makes something funny. And it's not like follow this these three easy steps and you too can be funny. But it is like, oh, okay, I can see how this like if I constant if I consistently practice these mechanics, I can take something that's like not so funny and make it funnier repeatedly. And then like from there, there's more there's storytelling and there's setups and there's like tagging jokes and there's other like things that you got to learn, obviously, if you want to do this well. But I think that video is pretty good. I'll watch like that thousand views. There's these guys who have this YouTube channel called Charisma on Command, and it's a beautiful name. They've been doing it forever. Have you seen these guys? Yeah, I remember for like maybe five, seven years ago, I was like yeah, watching some it, of those videos. Yeah, and they're cool. They're it could be a little lame because it's a it's a little bit more on like nerdy guys how to meet women, which is cool and fine, whatever. But like you know, I was not trying to. I was dating my wife at the time, so I was like, well, I just want to learn how to be like more charismatic. And I I remember their name, and they like taught a course on it. And like they had all this stuff. I was like, that's a beautiful name. Charisma on command. I'll watch that Mark Norman joke. But anyway, hung out with this dude last night. It was dope. He paid for dinner. So good first date. Uh, it was awesome. <laughs> Did you try to pay? Did you do the thing? No, oh, no, no, for sure. A lot me. <laughs> but I, you know, what's funny is when I go to, he like, liked this. We went to Gramercy Tavern he, and he likes that place, which is, I guess it's like a fancy or kind of fancy place. And I was like, dude, you come here a lot. He goes, yeah, I love it. I go, I'm not even going to look at a menu, whatever you want to order for me. Just, you just do it all. And that's, that's how I love, I love going to restaurants like that. I do that all the time. I'm like, I, I don't care. I eat meat and vegetables, get whatever. <laughs> so I was, no, I was the best is then after they order, then you complain. Uh, you got to do that too. That's the, the true D bag move. By the way, you know one thing people liked from the last pod, or maybe a couple pods ago, 
I got a bunch of DMs about this. They were like, dude, I love the homie move that you said. Uh, yeah. And I was like, I don't even remember what he's talking about. He's like, he's like, remember the homie move? That's like one of the top 10 things you've shared on the pod, which was you were like, dude, guess how many blah, blah, blah. And like, when you say that, obviously it's something impressive, but I kind of guess low so that you can have your, your punchline where you're like a hundred million. And I'm like, oh, I only said 10 because I kind of knew it's more than 10, but let me give you this moment. People love that. Uh, <laughs> that was hilarious. Yeah. I saw the comments. People did dig that on YouTube. Um, All right. Um, so I made a little vow to uh, myself to bring more specific ideas and stories uh, to the pod because I personally love the free flowing, just like whatever, wherever our conversation goes, it goes. But I want to make sure that, you know, we have the entree, not just tapas. It's not just the appetizers. I want to have the entree. So uh, let's jump into a couple ideas. Here. I got a few too, or I got one big one. I'm going to go one and then you go one. All right. So we've talked about this a little bit in the past. Dolly and like how much AI is advancing. And I don't know if it's just like my TikTok feed keeps feeding me these, but every day I see a new incredible thing that AI can do. You have to explain what Dolly is. just blown me away. What's that? You have to explain what Dolly is. Oh, Dolly is a program. It's a artificial intelligence program. Um, Dolly 2, I think is the current name of it. That basically you just type in any word and it generates images on that. So you could be like Sam Parr, you know, um, fishing, and it will just generate images that like look like they're either hand drawn or like a stock photo that are Sam Parr fishing, even though no such image exists, let's say it will create the image. So it, it like flips the whole idea of like creating art or taking photos or, or painting something. And it kind of like flips it on its head. It's like, no computers and robots can now do that almost as good, if not in some cases better than what would be, you know, the real thing or humans, human stuff. And so you see that you see deep fakes, like there's videos where you'll see the Mona Lisa and then they're like, watch this. And they push a button and all of a sudden the Mona Lisa starts turning her head and she starts rapping like, you know, notorious B.I.G. And it looks like the mouth is like in sync with the lyrics and the thing looks real. It's like, yeah, they just took They can take an image and they could turn it into a video. Using AI, like AI can basically say, oh, if I have this image, I know where the eyes and those lips are. I have been trained on what talking looks like, what singing looks like, what looking around and acting natural looks like. And I can turn any image into that. And it's really um, good. It's, it's really, really good. good. They can take Barack Obama and they can make him like this happened now with the Ukraine thing. They took the, the Russian president like and they, the way that people can Photoshop an image to make it look real. Um, you could take Barack Obama and you can make it sound and look like. He is saying something, you know, completely racist or whatever. So yeah, it's like, I think oh man, that, I can't trust videos. Well, I heard a podcast about that particular one. I think someone made one of these things to show how amazing it is. And then they also showed, but here's the downfall. And they made Obama, I think he said the N-word or something like crazy, like not cool. And they're like, he said that. Isn't that amazing? Obviously he didn't, but like, it seems exactly like he said it. This is where it's going to get, it's going to get dangerous. Totally. Um, and let me, uh, so, so I'll just keep going to some random examples. So there's another one where you, you can draw like a very basic smiley face on, uh, on your iPad on this app called procreate. Um, uh, and, and then you can, it's basically just like eyes, nose, mouth, and you're just like pencil drawing it. Then you change the brush to the AI paintbrush and you just kind of like shade in, like, you know, like when a kid would like I, I scribble in a shape and it like, 
colors in as if you like painted this in fine detail with the shadows and the colors the, and all you're doing is literally just moving your hand like a fool and it's like it knows already what like high quality art looks like and it just turns your crappy art into high quality art um it, it's amazing and so every day there's all these little amazing magic tricks and they're not like foolproof yet but the demo is getting ridiculously impressive and so I used it to I come have, up with a logo for a business I'm thinking about starting. I use it to come up with a logo and it was awesome. Oh, I do that all the time. Yeah. If you just Google AI logo generator or brand generator, there's like four websites that you can use. And yeah. you just say like, uh, I, you know, it's a legal, legal startup. Uh, the mood is serious, but still sophisticated go. And it'll spit out like an in infinite number of logo variations that you could then, and you could be like, cool, print this on business cards. That's like how they make money is like, print this on a business card or like give me the high I did quality it. photo you actually used I, it like right? like i used it i used it yeah normally what i do is i go to 99 designs and i have like you 99 designs is amazing because you can get like 30 graphic designers to like make up a landing page and you'd be like i like details from number one number eight and number 14 and then someone combines all of them and they give me the one that i want whereas when you work with just one designer you got to like a kind of be nice to them and be like no this this is you know this is okay but can you kind of change it like this instead i could be like right. no this sucks do this but also b you can see all different combinations and with dolly i'm excited to use it in that way and so let me give you like um couple ideas that I've had based off of what I've seen. So All here's right. what I, I, I think these can be very big ideas. Now, the problem with these, I'll, I'll tell the problem also, um, is that I think it's so easy to do that you're gonna have a bunch of competition. Um, so, you know, you have to find a way to be defensible, but here, okay, here we go. Four ideas that you can do with AI, um, like right now. Okay. So number one is, um, uh, which one do I want to start with. Okay. So number one is going to be, uh, Fake speech. So I'm investing in this company called Unreal Speech. Uh, I don't know if you've heard this, but check this out. This guy sends me fake, uh, deep fake audio of somebody of Gary V and Jordan Peterson reading The Milk Road. So I'm going to just play one of these. I think you can hear it. Let me just. This is The Milk Road, the newsletter that brings you so much entertainment, news and laughs. It should be illegal. Yeah, no. Hypothetically speaking, of course. Here's what's happening around crypto. Dude, it sounds right, so just like Jordan Peterson. It's just like Jordan Peterson. Here's Gary Vee. This v. is the Milk Road. The newsletter that brings you so much entertainment, news, and laughs. It should be illegal. Yeah, no. Hypothetically speaking, of course. You can see it messes up Here's sometimes. what's happening around crypto. The new stable coin on the block. So, so you That's can, amazing. That is so, so good. Is this that, is off like is that available? very little, this very little training data. Um, and literally just like takes my thing and you can see the, the places where my my written stuff is like kind of like casual. I'm like, you know, blah, 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 blah. And like it doesn't do that part very well. But the other parts, it does like pretty dang well for What's a very called? small amount of training. Unreal speech. Is it available um, so we, to everyone? Yeah. So, well, it's like it's like brand new. So um, and, and so he was like, hey, yeah, Sean, you want to never do an ad read again? He's like, you know, you have hundreds of hours of audio of you and Sam's voice that's on the podcast. Like all you need to do is just say the word and I, I can make it so that you'll never have to do an ad read again. Did and he do it? I can make you, I can make it so that the milk road, it'll auto add a companion audio. Like if somebody wants to listen to the news that are on the go, like it'll do it in your voice. Um, like I can just do that now. And I was like, wow, this is incredible. He's like, yeah. And the way we're doing it is cheaper, faster, and like more accurate than like the, the kind of 
the other models that are out there on like Amazon or whatever. Um, so it's, it's like, you know, dramatically cheaper to do because this is a little bit expensive whenever you do this because it's like machine learning. But the cost just keeps falling every wow. year. And then there's techniques to make it even smaller. All right, everyone, a quick break because I want to fill you in on a little experiment that I'm doing. I've got a new project. It's called MoneyWise. It's a personal finance podcast for high net worth people or young people who are on their way to becoming high net worth. When I made a little bit of money, I didn't even know how much money I should be spending each month. Should it be 10000 30000 50000 And I didn't really have a lot of people to ask. So I created a podcast called MoneyWise because I wanted to figure out what are some of the things that people who have a lot of cash and who have a high net worth, what do they do with it? The first episode is with a friend of mine. He sold his company for $200 million when he was 31 years old. He gets super transparent about his monthly expenses, his portfolio, how it impacts his happiness, everything. And so I want you guys to check it out. It's called MoneyWise. That's one word. You can find it on my Twitter bio. I'm the Sam Parr, or you can just type in MoneyWise on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. All right, back to the pod. Hey, let's take a quick break to tell you about the HubSpot Podcast Network. If you like podcasts like this, you should check out some other cool podcasts. One is called Business Made Simple. It's hosted by Donald Miller, and it's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. And what he does is he makes it easy to take the mystery out of growing your business. There's an episode that you should check out called What You Should Put in a Job Description to Get the Perfect Hire. And in this episode, Donald Miller looks at the whole hiring process and how important it is to emphasize both the, the positive attributes and the drawbacks to future candidates. And you'll learn why being self-aware as a leader will help you avoid hiring disasters. So check it out. Go listen to Business Made Simple wherever you get your podcasts. And so think about this, like uh, language translation. So for example, there's a world where we do this podcast and Unreal Speech could translate this into another language in our voices with our tones, right. uh, but just speak in another language. And so now all of a sudden our podcast is in, you know, is being, you know, done in Spanish and in French and all these other languages. And so we could grow without having to actually do extra work ourselves. Damn, dude, that's um, crazy. All ad reads, stuff like that. So I think that's a, that's a great business. There's also, um, yeah, there's, there's other kind of like use cases for it, but I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Okay. Here's another one. Student essays. So, I told you about that guy who made a thing called writelikeshawn.com and it like I, I like mentioned it in my email and it like blew up and it like caused him to have like a thousand dollar bill on his servers and he, he was like, you know, oh shit, like, you know, the side project now is like a, a financial burden for me. Um, but basically this guy trained AI to write like I do and it was pretty damn good and I shared an example last time. But this is not like, has nothing to do with me. It's just you could take any corpus of text data. In this case, he just used my Twitter feed as like the, the corpus of text. It could train it to write like that. Well, there's one of the big things like, uh, you know, I don't know if you remember growing up, but like you get assigned, you have to write an essay in school. And, you know, some people would pay other people to do it for them. Some people would go find one online and try to plagiarize it. Well, this is going to basically screw that whole thing up because... I'm going to be able to go on there and say, hey, write an essay about World War II and Germany's role in it um, in the sophistication of a 10th grader. And it's just going to spit out a full essay or like a thousand versions of an essay. And I could just pick the one I like and I could just edit it in like maybe five minutes to like get rid of any like crappy computer mess ups. Dude, this is, and, no, this um, is wild. You remember turn it in. The essay will be done. Did you have turnitin.com? Like it would help you. Like if you no, submitted, you'd that? have to submit an essay in high school. It happened. So I used to like, uh, I, I had this website that like would give you free essays and I would use them all the time. Uh, you know, 
and like most, well, I don't know if most people do it, but you know, a lot of people do it. And Some people I, out there will think this yeah, is okay. <laughs> a person, <laughs> uh, and <laughs> a person did it, and it it was awesome. And I you like rewrite it a little bit, but then they came up with Turnitin.com, which ended up becoming like a huge company and sold for billions of dollars, I believe. Where you would turn in your paper essay, but then you also had to submit a an electronic copy, and it did a pretty good job of finding out if it was plagiarized. Frankly, I have no mm. idea how it did it, and I don't actually think it's that sophisticated of technology. But they just sold to schools, and they like trusted that it was legitimate because like if you just Google a phrase in quotations you could see like where you know what i mean it's like not like that sophisticated of a of a thing (laughs) but like it would alert teachers like okay like 98 percent of this is copied from somewhere else right but yeah the teacher doesn't want to like google the teacher doesn't want to google everybody's thing so yeah that Mm -hmm. makes that makes total sense and that's that's exactly the case i think you're going to have the creation of stuff of content on the ai uh, uh, auto-generated content and then you're going to have the fact-checking side, the detection businesses also. Both are going to boom. You're going to have things that's, that take a video and say, is this a deep fake or is this a real video? You're going to have another one that's like, is this a auto-generated content or did a human write this? Like, It's like the opposite of capture. You know, when you go to a website and it says, prove that you're a human, it's going to basically be like, prove this isn't a robot is basically what you're going to have to do in order to trust that this person right. actually like did the work that it's, that's required for this. Um, so I think that that's going to be like on both sides, there's going to be businesses. I'll give you another area that's going to get totally disrupted. Um, print and patterns. So people talk about like using AI for stock photos, using AI for like maybe like auto-generated music. That's all going to happen too. But here's what I think is like more uh, more low-key. Like when, when uh, Patrick came on, he was talking about quilt businesses. So there's a huge market of just pattern making. So this is for all like clothing, you know, uh, blankets, you know, curtains, whatever. Basically, patterns and prints are everywhere, uh, you know, in apparel and fashion. And so if you want to go and actually like make clothing, you will often use like websites that have large libraries of patterns and prints. What happens is today somebody hand draws each one of those It's like, oh, this floral pattern or this, uh, you know, repeating pattern of, you know, whatever. It could be like fire trucks for like, you know, some kid thing or whatever. And then that person gets paid when you go buy that, buy that pattern, you buy it for whatever, a hundred dollars. And now they get that as their like royalty stream. Well, this is all going to go AI. In my opinion, somebody can compete with these because the sites that do this, they're worth hundreds of millions of dollars. These marketplaces that have the creators and they have the searchers. Yeah, We talked about one of them. I forget what it was called. I think, I think it had gotten acquired by PE for like 400 million. Yeah. Flower something. Yeah. Some some flower, flower cloud or something. They, um, uh, what that's going to turn into is I'm going to go on there. I'm going to be like, cool. I'm making a, um, you know, a galaxy theme. I want a galaxy themed repeating pattern. So I'm just going to write galaxy themed repeating pattern and it's going to generate galaxy themed patterns. And then they will be able to charge one tenth of what the other sites do because there's no human involved and they'll just keep all of that revenue for themselves. So they will become the supply side of the market. So this is like you can build a billion dollar marketplace because you now don't have to worry about supply. It's what Uber's trying to do with self-driving cars, right? It's like, hey, we can make these rides way cheaper and we can like, you know, make this whole system more efficient. We just got to get to self-driving. And Tesla's trying to do the same with the robo taxi. It's like the big idea in in transportation is getting rid of the driver. The same thing is going to be the case with artists. It's like, we're going to get rid of the artists. We're going to not need somebody to do the photography, the videography, the music, the pattern making, 
um, you know, the, the voiceover work. That's what Unreal Speech is, right? It's voiceover work. Um, the, the, the essay writing, the 99 designs, every single one of those, they're either going to have to release this and kill their own supply side, or someone is going to come and do it and eat their lunch. I think this is one of the multi-billion dollar trends that like you could be on right now. And I don't say that for hyperbole, like literally this is the window. The tech is just now finally good enough. It's not quite there, but you need to start now and you could disrupt all of these marketplaces. Do you ever recognize stock image models on different websites? <laughs> yeah, there's this guy who's in The Bachelor who's a stock image. Uh, and he's like in like a bunch of like funny, like whatever, random like kids Halloween costumes. It's like, there's that guy. And then you see him again on this like uh, hot sauce commercial. Like, there's that guy. And he's just like this generic smiling black guy. And um, it's like <laughs> they just reuse him everywhere. I saw like the lady that was on the Google Analytics page. It was two ladies. And I saw one of them in public and I went up and got a picture with her. And uh, and uh, like I saw her and I recognized her. And then there's this other lady that was on the Google Analytics page. She's, it's like it's always it's like a lot of times the same person. Uh, it's like a racially ambiguous woman with like curly hair. It's like, you know, she could be Italian. She could be black. She could be Jewish, white. Who knows? Like it just represents everyone. And I see this woman everywhere on all different websites. I used her a couple times. I love this lady. And I get sick of using the same pictures though all the time. So for some of my projects, I've been using if you you can use Dolly and you can use a couple other services and they'll give you fake people. So I have a couple websites that have like testimonials and they're real testimonials, but I don't want to use the people's uh, face because I didn't exactly ask them for it was like an email that they like wrote me. You know what I mean? I didn't want to use like their face because they didn't give me permission. But like it's who cares? It's just a sentence. I, I can use that and I'll use I Google uh, AI sample faces and you can get all types of faces and you could say like make this person this race make this person happy make them uh, serious you can change it and you can make them all types of stuff and i've been using that for sample images because when we were running the hustle every once in a while we would like do it the right way where we would like use an image that was for commercial use but sometimes it would get categorized wrong and we would we'd get like a what do they call it like a uh i forget what it violates the notice a, yeah that's yeah. right and they say like you know we're, you have to in multiple times we've had to pay five grand you know, you just like, oh, fuck, these guys like they're going to cause an issue. We just got paying five thousand dollars and they're going to go away. But this is we just we're going to get, uh, you know, we're getting screwed here. But whatever, we got to do it. So I've been using them for stock images so I don't have to uh, worry about getting sued or get one of these cease and desist letters. Totally. It's going to be the case with um, stock images, you know, like designers always use these libraries of like icons and illustrations. And there's like websites like the Noun Project and other things like that. What, so what Dolly did was basically they just read all of the text on the internet and then they used it to create new stuff. And some people are like, dude, that's messed up. Like uh, GitHub is doing this too. GitHub basically read all of the code that was on GitHub. They had a crawler basically index all of that. Learn, they fed all of that, that user data and they fed it into machine learning. And now they have this thing called GitHub Copilot, which is, I think like, I don't know how much it is, like a hundred dollars a month or something like that. But it basically is like, you know, if you're a programmer, we will, this GitHub Copilot can basically help you write your code. You're like typing your code and it'll just autofill, like autocomplete the that's line amazing. of code. So it's like, oh, dude, that makes, a, you know, this $250,000 a year software developer more efficient and more effective and less bugs and less mistakes and less thinking. Uh, it, it lets a less talented person sort of create these functions and, and write code. And it's like a no brainer. Like GitHub Copilot is going to generate like hundreds of millions of dollars for GitHub. That's like, they like Create this product, flip the switch. It's going to be a multi-billion dollar product line just because it's generating so much revenue. Wow. And some people are mad about it because they're like, dude, you read my code. You use my code as the training data. 
and I get nothing from this? Like, that's crazy. You're going to basically put me out of a job by using my own data as the training data for this. And that's the same thing that's going to happen with these, like, these websites. By the way, Ben found uh, Spoonflower was the name of the, the pattern. Spoonflower. So all you have to do if you're doing this is like, you're going to go and you're going to scrape and crawl Spoonflower. You're going to ingest all of the patterns with all of the tags. And then you're going to basically train it, train a data set so that it says, okay, cool. The, this is what a pattern with X, Y, and Z keyword looks like. Great. Now you give me that keyword again. I can generate 500 new patterns from scratch. And Spoonflower is basically going to create its destroyer in that sense. Like it is going to, the data from these, from stuff that's already on the internet is what's going to destroy those, those services. And I say it kind of like, you know, in a, in a violent way, like destroy and all that stuff. But it is true. Like these are going to be very competitive very quickly. And it's going to be like, the same way that the chess programs like got really good, really fast. And all of a sudden it's like, Oh yeah, right. a human cannot beat it. It's going to be like the, chess the, or, the or Genghis go, Khan of graphic design. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just like pillage. this thing is going to yeah. like enslave and pillage, you know, it's going to go to your village. It's going to kill the men. It's going to marry all the women and it's going to put the children to work. Like that's, what's going to happen with this, these AI uh, marketplaces. That's my, my prediction. So Ben, go to this website. I, I sent you in the chat. Can you share this? Uh, Sam, I think you've used this before too, but it's a cool one for people who don't know. Um, it's this person does not exist. Yes, that's what I used. And so, like, look at this that guy. That looks like you, Ben, kind of. I mean, it just looks like a basic <laughs> white dude. This guy, yeah, this looks like a mugshot on Dateline. It, it takes a quick picture of you from your webcam and it just makes someone like you. Um, this is a dude that this person does not exist. That's an AI composite of a face. So, you can use this face anywhere in your website, copyright free, because Nobody's going to be like, hey, dude, that's me. Um, <laughs> this is like such a useful, funny website. And it shows you in the bottom right. It'll tell you exactly how the image was created. It's like it was imagined by a GAN, which is a type of machine learning thing or whatever. Um, here's how it works. You can use it yourself, you know, blah, blah, blah. And watch this. You can use it for cats and horses and chemicals. It's like this, cam this cat does not exist. And you can like click a cat and it'll like AI generate a cat. Yeah, this is amazing. I usually just take a screenshot of those and I use those on like different websites. And so, uh, so yeah, those are three, three ideas. I think I said student essay generation, uh, unreal voices for voiceovers, um, and never, you know, never having to do, you're basically turning your voice into a programmable asset and then patterns and prints. And that's just like, that's not even saying some of the obvious ones that I met the other ones I mentioned, like stock. This is great. million dollars isn't cool. You know what's cool? A billion dollars. All right, I have something for you. Have you heard of John Steinberg? Is he the guy who did Cheddar? Yeah, so listen to this story, and, and I'm gonna, there's a reason why I'm telling you, but let me tell you the story. So basically, John Steinberg was the COO of BuzzFeed for a long time. I, I think when he joined BuzzFeed, it was like 20 people, so he wasn't quite the co-founder, but he, was, he worked his way up to be COO, and he was like the ad sales guy who became COO, and he kind of was like pushing it hard, and it was almost like a co-founder of BuzzFeed. And he's incredibly aggressive, very aggressive. And he started this thing years ago, like, eight years ago or maybe six years ago called Cheddar. And the whole shtick was that it was going to be a live TV station for Facebook Live. And when he launched it, we were just getting started. And he like messaged me. He goes, have we met yet? <laughs> Which was just an alpha, like just such an alpha way to like, 
<laughs> hey, I forgot your name. It's like, dude, it's written. Yeah. It's written. You just messaged me. <laughs> yeah. He was like, hey, Dave. I was like, dude, it's uh, it says Sam. Right? We're on Facebook. You, I know he. Hey, you sorry, know I'm really am. bad with names and faces. <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> he goes, have we met yet? We should meet. That's what he said. And I go, okay, cool. He goes, I'm in San Francisco. What's your office? I'll come tomorrow. That's what he said. And I was like, all right, Clear your cool. calendar. So, yeah. So <laughs> I, I hang out with him. Nice, nice guy. Incredibly aggressive. Basically told me that like BuzzFeed was great, but he wanted to sell or something. Or I don't know if he said this or I read about it, but like he wanted an exit and it didn't happen. So like he was like, I'm just going to build this thing and I'm going to have an exit. And he's told me, he goes, what's going to happen is I'm going to raise a little bit of money, like $30 million. Um, it's going to do pretty good. And then a big cable company is going to buy us because it's just going to be cheaper for them to buy us and to go make one of these cable, uh, like a like a 24-hour news network on their own. And they're just going to buy us for like 200 or $300 million. And at the time, and even at the time they got bought, no one watched this thing. You'd go onto the Facebook Live and like there'd be like 20 people watching it at any given point. It was all on Facebook. And like no one watched it. And I remember thinking like, this guy's crazy. This is not going to work. No one wants this is this is nonsense. This is a bad business. This is a bad company. And two years in, he told me, he goes, in year two or three, we're going to get acquired for a couple hundred million bucks. In year three, I think he sold the business for $250 million. 100% called his shot. If you Google Cheddar to acquired, a cable was, company, also to a cable company, to like an Australian cable company that I never heard of. I think they're popular in New York. I think they have like a thing in New York too. And he sold it and he totally pulled it off and he completely disappeared. He fell off the map before he was like speaking at all these conferences, but he called this shot and he nailed it. And I remember talking to other guys who worked in the media industry and they're like, yeah, he told me the exact same thing. And he absolutely called this shot. And this guy is so aggressive, man. He's a shark, not in a bad way, but like he just bulldozed through this. It just put so much intensity and energy and he pulled it off. But the reason I'm bringing this up, he did it. And another woman who we're friends with, Rebecca, did, I asked her how she got popular on YouTube. She's like, well, I just quit my job and I like worked 50 hours a week and I had like, I got up at nine and I like worked till seven and like I studied the data and I just treated it like a business and it like became popular. Now I make, you know, seven or eight figures, whatever she makes a year and I'm rich and famous and whatever it worked because I was talented and I worked hard and I treated it like a job. What I think is going to happen. And we, this is a little circle jerky because both of you and I like Twitter. I think that very few people take Twitter seriously enough to do that. You know, like five or eight years ago, we'd be like, Mr. Beast, you're going to like dedicate your life to YouTube. That's the stupidest thing ever. That won't work. Like, what are you doing? This is just a hobby. This is a joke. Now it's not, it's not funny. Like we all know that like, that's real. You can become a YouTuber and you know, you can be like Mr. Beast and make hundreds of millions of dollars a year. You can become a TikToker and become like some of these other famous people and do all this crazy stuff. No one takes that seriously about Twitter where they think like, well, you know, if you just like quit and like take this seriously and like build a following and like write interesting stuff. And I think in the next two or three years, we might see like a few empires be built on top of Twitter. And it sounds kind of silly now because like, oh, it's just these like stupid, like, you know, Twitter threads of guys talking about X, Y, and Z and summarizing Wikipedia. And they're kind of right. But I think that there's going to be someone on Twitter that treats it kind of like Cheddar did. It's kind of like Mr. Beast. And they take it really seriously. And I think there's actually a huge opening and a huge gap in the market right now where very few people are taking it seriously. And it's incredibly easy to capitalize on this second right now. This is one of the more interesting things I feel like you said. This is, I actually, I don't even Got think em. you normally think like this. I feel like this is a, like a, this is not your, you say a lot of interesting stuff, but it's your, you, you usually fall into, I found this really interesting diamond in the rough. You're amazing at that. Another is, 
uh, I see what these people are doing and let me break it down in simple terms. Like all they're doing is X. And sometimes you're like, uh, you know, this is a trend or an industry I see. This is different. This is like, this is something, something different. So I like, I like that you're bringing this up. Let's break this down. So every, do you agree with me? At first, when you, I think you tweeted this out and I was like, I don't really understand what he's talking. I didn't really understand it. Uh, then you just explained it and it's, I'm starting to come around on it. I'm like, Oh wait, he's kind of right. Every big social media platform has like native stars. So yes, yeah. if you're, uh, you know, whatever you're the president and you go on Twitter, you're going to get a bunch of followers. That's one thing. But basically if you take every medium, so podcasting, you have Joe Rogan, you have like, then the people like Joe Rogan, you have the caller daddies and you have like other Tim Ferriss, you have other people who like, they become stars on that platform and they use that to build a pretty big empire, you know, tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions that they can make off of it. YouTube, obviously there's YouTubers. TikTok has TikTok stars, people who were not famous on YouTube, but got famous on TikTok. Instagram also, right? There's Instagram models and Instagram like influencers that they were nobody and they became big on Instagram. Multi-billion dollar about, companies. We're talking, you know, Kardashians, Rihanna, like these like huge things. Well, I, I think they were, Rihanna, Kardashians, they were big off of Instagram. They were big without it. Like Instagram also and Instagram had turbocharged to them. But like there are other people that are, you know, um, just Instagram, like Instagram made them famous. Like Dan Bilzerian is a good example. Right. It's like he's not famous without Instagram. Then with Instagram, he becomes famous. And then now he does multiple platforms, right? By the end, everybody does multiple platforms, but you kind of, you're really good at the medium. So like, for example, Dan Bilzerian takes photos of himself blowing up cars with hot girls like in bikinis. Guess what? Instagram is a visual, like, you know, put one killer image on there and they're amazing at it. And so uh, that worked really well there. You're kind of right. Who is that on Twitter? Who is, who is a Twitter native star? I don't even know what that would be. Like, is there somebody so who, who there, comes there, to I mind? Mean, there's a, there's a few, like I would say like, and I'm on Twitter 10 times a day. Like, how do I not know this? Like you and I are like very miniature versions, but we haven't really like, I'm taught and like Sahil is a bigger version. So our friend Sahil Bloom, Trung, who used to work for me, he is kind of like that. But you know, we're still talking like 500,000 followers. No one has really pushed it to where it's like, how do I get 10 or 20 million? You know, how do I become like, how do I build a proper empire as opposed to a niche? Now, the difference is uh, basically between everything you mentioned and Twitter is Twitter is copy based, text based, whereas the other ones are visual based. So I think there's one of two routes that's going to happen. You figure out how to add visuals to your thing and videos don't usually do that well on Twitter, but pictures do. Or you just get really good at writing. And I was like, well, writing's not that important. But I'm like, wait, no, I'm an idiot. Like, you know who Danielle <laughs> Steele or James Patterson is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. These people the have sold authors. literally, a, like, I, I believe Danielle Steele has sold like 100 million plus books. I don't know if you know this, but in San Francisco, she's got like the biggest mansion in the San Francisco. The fattest house. Yeah, the on big, Billionaire's think, Row, her house is like the big fortress. Yeah. And then you got James Patterson. I bet you he's a billionaire too. James Patterson basically writes like 50 books a year. I don't even know if he writes a lot of them, if he just smacks his logo on it. But like, you know, I was thinking, I was like, well, are, a year. that sounds outrageous, but okay. Uh, I, I forget, but it's maybe a book a, one a week. <laughs> it's like one a month. It'll say like, you know, um, what he does is like, it'll be like uh, written by James Patterson and Bill Clinton. 
And then it says like, and also this other name. And it's like a, a duo about them. It's like a, a story written about like the White House or something like that. And he like partners. It's like this weird thing that he does. He, he writes a ton. He's prolific. And a lot of like, like real quote authors, like these like artist folks are like, oh, that's just garbage. But he's like, dude, I don't care. I'm pumping this shit out. Anyway, authors like definitely crush it still. And the power of the written word is very powerful enough to like, you know, get these people to buy all these books. And I still think that's possible. But I. I, I do think that we're going to see like an empire built on top of Twitter. Arguably, you and I have created, we've easily created uh, seven figures of personal income through Twitter. Maybe you could say even, I, I would have to add it up, maybe eight figures, but a lot. Uh, I think, though, that there's going to be literally billionaires created on Twitter. And it hasn't happened yet, though. Wow. Uh yeah, what's we can't call ours empires. Like, what's a what's a very very small like a Lego, like a convenience store. Like, yeah, like we we yeah. created like a Quickie Mart. Uh, yeah, we own like Twitter. four Burger Kings. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, you're right. That Sahil and Trung are good examples of like they actually try. So like they like religiously write content. They schedule it. They research it. They like publish. They like try to amplify it. They have calls to works. action at the bottom and it works. And I've seen them crawl from zero to styles at like half a million, maybe more. I don't know. Uh, Dude, Trung, a lot of people thing. don't even know that Trung. So Trung worked at the hustle. He wrote the daily email. We found him when he was working at like a, as a financial analyst, not it was like it was all internal reports. We like, he signed up for Twitter while he worked at my company and we all like shared each other in this like silly circle jerk circle. And now he's got 600,000 followers and he's like a personality and like people know him. Like they talk right. about him and how he's funny and all this stuff. And I think it's going to happen. And like when I tweeted out that event thing, a thousand people signed up and I'm like, oh my God, like why aren't you actually see Instagram? Like you'll see like the Logan, uh, the Jake Pauls and the Logan Paul, they'll like say like, I'm going to be when they were starting on YouTube, they're like, we're going to be at this location. Come and they film all these crazy videos of all these people around right. us. No one's doing that shit for Twitter. And, and I think that someone needs to just take the YouTuber playbook and just deploy it here and take it full time and seriously. And they could create tens or hundreds of millions of dollars of wealth. And so what would you do? Because like, I think, well, the guys we talked about, they, you know, Sahil basically does like kind of like mental model, intellectual like stuff where it's like, oh, you know, either like kind of what I'll call like the generic life advice, generic business advice, or like, um, you know, hey, let me tell you about this phenomenon in psychology about cognitive biases. And here's 30 cognitive biases you, you, you want to be aware of. And like, I don't know why these do so well. They do incredibly well. Uh, that's not my cup of tea, but it's definitely other people's cup of tea for that. Here's what they content. need to do. Here's how you cross the chasm. Here's how you cross this threshold. So basically, these guys are popular on this Twitter medium. And Twitter is a, it feels like a one-to-one -one a little bit, or maybe like a one-to-ten. It's like me and my 10 friends like consume this and we'll joke about it. But I'm not talking to a guy on the train or I'm not like telling a family member like, hey, uh, you know, did you guys see X, Y, and Z? Like we're not talking about that. So what they need to do is two things. Number one, they need to meet up with like mainstream celebrity people or like mainstream people and take pictures with them and show it. And it's like, oh man, this guy's like bigger than just my little audience, look at this, like these people like Arnold Schwarzenegger likes this person and took a photo <laughs> with them. That's amazing. The second thing that they need to do is they need to get off of Twitter and into real life. So for example, in the early 2010s, when the Caspers of the world were coming out, uh, subways in Manhattan were underpriced in the, uh, for the billboards. 
And a couple of these companies like Subway, Oscar, they go, let's advertise on these billboards down in the subway. And then we'll actually buy real billboards. And people are like, why would you do that? Like, we could track all this on the internet. And they're like, well, because if we get it out off of the internet, it's going to see more than just an online thing. And it's going to feel more right. like a real tangible thing. You know, you're going to see like this ad next to like, uh, you know, a Ford ad and next to this thing. It's going to feel like this is actually a little bit more legitimate. And so what they need to figure out is how to do that. So you do that by having real life events. You do that by like, getting a book that you publish, you get that by getting a cameo on a TV show and you like get everyone in on the joke. It's like, Hey, everyone check this out. Uh, they asked me to be a background on friends like here, look, you can see my head Isn't that hilarious. Like you do these things like that where it's like real life and like bigger than just this one to 10 thing. And then people start taking you seriously and realize that it creates FOMO and it creates, um, social proof and you start becoming actually culturally relevant. You know what I mean? And that's how you should do it. So you just like take pictures with you and celebrities and then try to uh, get in more in-person stuff. So you're off of the internet. And I think that would work. Yeah, I think I think that's good advice. Like uh, people will believe about you what you believe about yourself. And um, and also people will believe about you what they think others believe about you. So if I see you hanging out, you know, if I see you, this is why YouTube works, right? Like People on YouTube will have like, you know, or Instagram, they'll have like, they're taking a picture, but it's actually the background. That's the picture. It's like, I'm just trying to show you that I'm sitting in this car or at this place or with these people. And um, there's like everything that's said is actually in the background. The foreground is just kind of like your yeah. excuse to, to say it. Or when Casey and, Neistat's like walking through New York and he has kids coming up to him and goes, hey, what's up, kid? Say hi to the yeah. you're on the vlog. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, wow. Like in New York, Casey gets recognized everywhere. He's more than just what I see on my screen. Uh, and like celebrities do this. They like when they like tip off, you know, the paparazzi to come like take pictures of them. And they're like, tr they like pretend like they're trying to not be seen. But then like they actually it's like a deal. Like, hey, dude, I'm going to be here. Come up, come show up and take my photo. And then we're going to use that photo for this. Or they'll like, you know, uh, do stuff like that. So so I think that's a thing. Like I had a buddy who created a, um, he's got a, like an online e-commerce brand. They opened up their first store. The store's not going to do that many sales, but just showing that, hey, we opened our first store in New York. It's like kind of like, you know, wherever in New York, some like small place. And it's like, just that makes it feel like this brand is more trustworthy. It's more established. It's more legit. And then they had a bunch of friends, like 15 friends show up and they were like doing a ribbon, uh, ribbon cutting ceremony. And the friends are all like, hey, wow, yeah, yeah, hey, question for you. Like, you know, like trying to pretend like they're the media. And um, and 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 like if you zoomed out, it's like 10 people standing in a small yeah, cluster. Right. But like from the right angle, it looked like a mob was at the store. And again, it's like per this perception creates some version of reality. So I definitely think that helps. I don't think that's enough to build the empire. I think you got to do two things. One be in it for like the next seven years like mr beast and all these guys they didn't start with like you know as big as they are it takes like five to seven years to build something like really truly massive the second is i would stop trying to jump off twitter and go to other places and be like this is where the good shit is i'm gonna master this medium and this media totally like, i'm gonna make it work here the third is i would do some of the stuff that just helps build fame in the first place so um i think having your lane or your niche helps because it'll attract people who are interested in that second controversy or collabing with others, I think is going to work, uh, you know, and people don't do controversial stuff really on Twitter right now, but it should be like, Oh my God, I called in to like this show and I got, the, you know how people used to call into Howard Stern and like get him to like say this crazy shit, like check this out. Got him. You know what I mean? Right. Well, so, some people do it that, uh, and it works. Like there's a guy who's doing this with Zach Weinberg or something like that. Yeah. He's he, like, hilarious. Basically I love that guy built and sold like, a, I don't know, a $2 billion company 
in like the biotech space or some shit like that. But why does everybody know him? Because he's the guy who just will consistently shit on crypto. He just is challenging people to fight about crypto and he's just trying to debate them in public and embarrass them. That is his whole shtick. And he's getting so much fame for dunking on people in crypto. And um, because there's a set of audience that likes to A, watch a fight and B, that likes to, that is anti-crypto, has some anti-crypto feelings. And they're like, he is their champion. You go debate people because I don't know if I would be able to. And so that's, a that's exactly how Ben thing. Shapiro like, got famous too, by the way. And on top of that, then you have like Keith Raboy or whatever, people who are just like a dick to other people. Like he'll just like respond to somebody like wrong. And they're like, well, explain. Like, you know, I'd love to hear your perspective. And he's like, I don't share my perspective with fucking losers. Or, you know, whatever. Like, he's like, he'll like, he'll shit on you once. And then he'll, even if you try in good faith to come back, he'll be like, the data is out there. Go read a book. And yeah, like, one time you know, he was like, one time the best thing goes, I've forgotten more about startups than you'll ever even know. Yeah, exactly. Or he'll be like, call me after your sixth unicorn. Cause that's where I am or whatever, you know, like he, he's like, you know, obnoxiously just like shitting on people. And it's hilarious. And because of that, like the controversy spread, some people hate him, some people love him, And uh, he kind of uses that to, 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 to grow. So anyways, I, I think controversy is also another underrated thing. There's a bunch of things that people need to do, but I would say the main one is like, find your, your angle, your hook, your niche. Like for Casey Neistat, it's the daily vlog for other people. It's the explainer videos. It's like, whatever you got to find that for you on Twitter and then like do it for five to seven years and have faith that like, just like it wasn't obvious that being a YouTuber was just such a big deal back then. I think it's not that obvious to, you know, to your point that you can do this on Twitter too. Yeah. I, uh, so that's my, that's my, I'm, I'm, that's my pitch. I think it could be cool. All right. Can I tell you about something that I kind of knew about, but has recently blown my mind? Yeah. It's the Teal Fellowship. So, you know, yeah, it's amazing what the Teal Fellowship is. Ben, I'm curious. Do you know what the Teal Fellowship is? Come, come off mute for a bit. Because I think Sam already knows. I want to talk to somebody who's maybe more where the audience is, which may, you know, aware, but not familiar. Yeah. So I know what the Teal Fellowship is. I'll tell you just my impression of someone who doesn't know a ton about it is just that it's for essentially high schoolers who are super geniuses. And Peter Thiel is going to give you a bunch of money in order to not go to college and do something cool instead. Uh, kind of. You're in. It's actually. I think it's actually for people in college to leave college for a year. So 100k to basically leave college for a year and work on something interesting. And uh, Ben, if I asked you, like, hey, is it like successful, unsuccessful? Do you have any idea? Um, no, except for that I know. Um, uh, what's his name? Did it. Uh, the guy who did Ethereum. Vitalik. Yeah, exactly. Vitalik. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, which, I would by say, the way, I still haven't told my Vitalik story on air, which is I was in Amsterdam and I saw him and I couldn't think what to say. And he's walking right past me and I just turned and went, you're Vitalik. And he didn't like look or say anything. He just kept walking, but it was him. <laughs> I was, did he have security with him? No, he was walking all alone on the streets of Amsterdam at, at 8 a.m. in the morning. It was just us. Our software is the worst. Have you heard of HubSpot? See, most CRMs are a cobbled together mess, but HubSpot is easy to adopt and actually looks gorgeous. I think I love our new CRM. Our software is the best. HubSpot, grow better. Yeah, I, we need to protect this man. He never has security with him. And he's just like wanders around to random cafes and goes to events and stuff like this. I'm like, dude, so, yeah, I really hope he's got such good security that you just can't see them. I'm, I'll, that's what I'll tell myself. Um, so this Teal Fellowship thing is amazing. 
The Thiel Fellowship was exactly what you said. Uh, Peter Thiel comes out. Peter Thiel is the kind of uh, original founder of PayPal. He was the first investor in Facebook, put 500K into Facebook early on, which became hundreds of millions of dollars, not billions of dollars. And um, also a prolific investor in a bunch of other things, including SpaceX and, and other businesses. So Peter Thiel comes out and he basically says, uh, college education is a bubble. He says, um, college education is, is sort of a joke. He's like, you know, it hides under this, this, this like banner, like it's teaching you something like you're getting information, but really what you're getting is some version of like an insurance policy. Like uh, I got this degree, so I'm not going to fall through the cracks of society. And you're getting like, you know, some status symbol, like, oh, I got this stamp on my thing. So it's like a luxury, it's like a luxury product, like wearing a, a nice bag. Your Harvard degree is like your Louis Vuitton bag. And, uh, and so he talks about college and he's like, it's costs just keep going up and up and up, but the value and the, the salaries that you make don't go up. Um, and so it's this like overpriced bubble, just like the housing bubble. He says, and he says, I'm going to offer, um, I'm going to offer something called the Teal Fellowship which is $100,000 if you drop out of college and go work on something interesting. And a bunch of people criticize him. They say, uh, dude, like, you know, how dare you? You're telling kids, like the normal phrase is kids stay in school. You're like, we get it. You're contrarian. You're saying kids don't stay in, stay in school. And you're like trying to get people to drop out. Like what kind of like, you're worse than a vape, you know? And so, uh, you know, people didn't like what he was doing. You're and other people were just like, oh, it's cool. But like, you know, who knows if this is going to work or not. Like, all right, you're going to pay this kid hundred grand to, you know, do a summer project. Great. So what? This thing is amazing. It is produced. Yeah, it worked some... out really well, didn't it? And nobody talks about it. So let me tell you some of the things that have come out of this. Um, you have, like you said, Ethereum, which is like a $170 billion market cap thing that came from Vitalik, probably like this generation's version of Facebook is like, you know, is Ethereum. So that comes out of this where Vitalik does the Teal Fellowship and uh, continues you know, working on Ethereum during that time. And uh, and he launches. So that's one super, super, super successful thing. Also, Figma, which is like a somewhere between five and ten billion dollar closer to 10. company that takes on Adobe in the design space. And uh, Dylan, who is you know the founder of Figma, was in the was in the Teal Fellowship. Uh, another one, Oyo Rooms. So this is in India. It's like a, um, you know, kind of like a Airbnb-ish sort of thing. It's like a hospitality, uh, you know, website. Oyo Rooms, multi-billion-dollar company. Tens uh, of billions, Luminar, I think. Luminar Technologies. Um, most people don't know this. It's a like lidar company that basically uh, the technology you need for self-driving cars. And this thing, I think, went public in a SPAC. This guy's like, I don't know. 21 22 years old 23 years old something like that and he's worth like a billion dollars he's like one of the world's youngest billionaires if not the youngest billionaire off of this thing um that is just alone is crazy also polka dot another crypto protocol valued at you know seven billion dollars um like i just told you basically 200 billion dollars worth of business value that has come from this program and it's but then there's way small. more there's actually like a uh, dozens that are in like the hundred million dollar range i invested in a company that recently raised another round i think it was owner.com the guy adam he uh he was a, a teal fellow and i believe i mean that 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 potentially could be a unicorn but it's hundreds of millions for sure uh and there's right. like dozens more like that the reason i got reminded of this was because i invested in italic and jeremy kai is the founder of italic and he was like Oh yeah, I was a Teal Fellow. That's how I, I was like, how did we meet eventually? He's like, oh yeah, I was a Teal Fellow. We came to your office and you gave a talk and I thought it was awesome. And so that's why we kept in touch. And I was like, 
dude was Vitalik in the room. He's like, I don't think he's like, I don't think he was at that event, but he's like, dude, he used to like crash on our couch. Like, you know, he was part of the program and he's like, he's, I was like, what was he like? He's like, he's genuinely the weirdest person ever. Like the weirdest person I've ever met. And like, he's like, yeah, in a good way, in a bad way, uh, nothing like, he's just nothing, like nothing like I've ever seen. Just different, different sort of cat. And um, I was like, this is, this is too good. <laughs> I think, but I think you should uh, keep using amazing. the word cat, by the way. You like how I did that? I've been yeah, it's something I, I'm workshopping it, right now. Yeah, it looks good on you. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I take it out for a spin. I take it out of the garage, you know, yeah. you know, twice a, a week. Through. And I just see, do people kind of like flinch when I say that? You know, um, it was a good it flinch. With, tried it with lit. And that was I had to put that one back in storage. No, that one, you're that one's not old. coming back out. I put that one on yeah. eBay, actually got rid of it. Yeah, no, you're yeah, you're 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 too much of a gray bush for that one. But cat, yeah, cat <laughs> was cool. I would stick with cat. But it is crazy, man. This the Peter Thiel. I thought at first it was real. Uh, it was kind of stupid. I'm like, dude, this is weird. Like, what are these like little 18 year old nerds? Like, they're not going to do anything interesting. Obviously, I was wrong. Um, I, I like I it, when I when I when I was like rethinking my opinion on it, I was like, wow, I guess just like h- high IQ matters. Like, it these guys, they're just they have more power than I do. I, I always say they're just they're higher. You're higher functioning than me. You know, that's just the only way I can describe it. You have more horsepower. Your oven burns hotter. And it, it actually <laughs> it, 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 it truly matters. And it makes a difference. Your oven burns hotter. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I love that. that was you know what I mean? They just got that. They got that. That, totally. that uh, heater furnace. That, that's how I felt. When I was at Twitch, I was like, uh, I was like, okay, let's see what are the like, you know, I had kind of had opinions from the outside, like, okay, at these big tech companies, what are the people like? What are the execs like? What are the average people like? You know, how hard do they work? How smart are they? Like, you know, do they have like all these processes that are way better than the messy stuff I was doing at my startup? And like, you know, for the most part, I would say it's kind of like, you know, I walked out a little cockier than I came in and I came in pretty cocky. And that's what I was, you know, just sort of like, oh, okay, like, you know, they don't have some magic, you know, processes or the people aren't that much better, except like two or three people at the company, one one of which was Emmett, who's the founder, you know, we would sit down and there would be like, you know, data science would be presenting some report on like, you know, some trends. And I'm just sitting there trying to like, it's a six page memo. I'm trying to like stop yawning because it's like, I'm just like, why do I keep yawning? I'm having this like, you know, reflex. And I'm reading this thing. I'm just trying to understand these charts. And like, you just hear this little click and it's like someone's pen is down. And it's like, you you know, if you're taking a math test, like who's done with the test already? And it would be Emmett. He'd be like, pens down. He'd be playing Hearthstone on his phone. And you're like, no, he like, he must've already read this or like, you know, he, he must just skim. And then, the, then they're like, all right, yeah, we're ready to start the discussion. And he would be like, so on page three, you know, this chart, actually, I noticed that the axis is a little wrong because you know, if this was true, then but then this other chart on page seven would show this. I'm like, what the, f-? you know, what is happening? How is your brain processing this much information this quickly and somehow always getting to like, like the heart of the issue? It's like, we all spent our time and energy, like trying to parse out what's important. Like he immediately got to what was, what was important and had the conclusion and had like the follow up question and also identified why this paper wasn't very good in the first place. And once I saw the brain doing that, I was like, oh, okay. There's just some cars, you know, have more horsepower. Like, or as you said, the oven burns a little hotter and like his oven burns way hotter than mine. And I was like, oh, that's good to know. Like, cause I have this thing. I always say, I like to see what level 12 looks like. Like what is, oh, that speaker system's a little too loud for me, but like, 
I want to know what volume on 12 even is. I want to feel, you know, my own chest, you know, like vibrating with the bass. And it's like, okay, I, I don't want to be somebody who never sees it. I want to see it. What was he like in like real life, like outside of work? Because have you ever seen some of these people interact in like normal like life? Like they like I told you about one friend that's like in, intense and he literally only owns a t two T-shirts, one pair of underwear, one pair of socks and his laptop. That's like the only thing he owns. And he's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. And then like I know a bunch of these guys that are like this and like for hobbies, they're just all in. And like so if they're into like, <laughs> uh, you know, like fucking their body or something they've got like every gadget you could ever imagine and they are they, they could tell you all about it and or if they're into dieting they've got like their pants like my friend jack he's into uh supplements he, and he's got literally thirty thousand dollars worth of supplements in a closet <laughs> and they'd be like what's this do what's this do what's this do and he just like test everything what was he like in uh like like was he like uh, if he's into cars could he like tell you every single thing about like a porsche and what year it was from and why it was special yeah, yes. But before I tell you about him, uh, I just read this thing that was like about Sergey Brin, the, the co-founder of Google. And it's like, oh, what is Sergey? Like, you know, because he's in the news because of the, his wife and Elon, and all that stuff. And some people are like, what is Sergey doing nowadays? Because he's not, I don't think he's at Google anymore. Um, and it said over the last year or two, he's become very into personal fitness. In fact, he has been trying to master several Olympic sports. And I was like, what? <laughs> Dude, I don't know, man. Is, I looked at this guy. He, what, like, what Olympic sport? Ping pong? Yeah, I don't know. Archery. Like, seat shooting? Yeah. yeah. Curling. Um, yeah. The other one is, it said he's currently writing a physics textbook. And I was like, oh, of course he's writing a physics textbook. Like, That's you know, more like come it. On. Yeah. Um, so, so anyways, that, yeah, these guys are wired like that, where like, when they go in, they go in like very deep. Uh, and it, honestly, I don't know him super well, because I interacted with him mostly at work. Um. And anytime it was outside of work, it was, it was really cool, but it was like, you know, limited. It wasn't like I hung out with them like a hundred times. It would maybe be more like five times, you know, something like that over the couple of years that I was there. Um, what I would say is like a couple of little things that stood out. One, he's like us. He's an idea machine. In fact, I need to get him on the podcast because you've been saying that for three years now. I know. I know. And when I was there, I didn't ask him cause I was like, uh, you know, already you know me doing this podcast is not a you know not like, <laughs> yeah you're like hey dude you want to bail at noon and go and record <laughs> yeah it's not everyone's favorite thing i do um yeah. you know but but i think now i can do it um but he would like, like he told me this idea he's like i tell you about his gym idea no he's like he's like gyms he's like gyms need to be uh made like video games if i was gonna leave twitch i might start this uh a gym that's structured like a video game. So he's like, this is how it works. You show up and you're like uh, the beginning character of a, of a game. Like you show up and we give you kind of like your basic uniform. And we have a little, little wrist strap that like tracks your level of like fitness and intensity as you work out and you let basically level up. And so like every time you come to the gym, you're earning points. And like, as you earn points, like we give you like better gear, like we'll give you the, the, like the, the more fitted, you know, clothes that look cooler. And so you can like visibly see people's different levels as they go to the gym, you would be able to like go into certain sections of the gym that were previously locked to you. You would be able to get like protein shakes and stuff for free. And he's like, uh, he's like, I think if you gamified a gym, people would come more. And like, actually this is kind of played out with Peloton. Peloton is very much organized like this with leaderboards and stuff like that. Gamification. Uh, but I was like, this is a crazy idea. He's like, yeah, it'd be like the world of Warcraft of gyms. Like people would grind like years of their life to level up their character to 60. 
and they would like work to do it. He's like, I think you could do that with a, with a gym. I was like, wow. Okay. Yeah, I mean, people do that like, with like karate and, and jiu-jitsu, you know, black belt, brown belt, blue belt type of thing. Exactly. And they stick with it and they keep showing up. because For 10 plus years. Up. And he's like, but you know, you don't want the increments to be like a year before you see some progress. Like every time you come, you need to be earning a little bit more and getting right. a little bit more unlocked, you know, and see that the next milestone is just within reach. Um, so I thought that was interesting. The second one, he was like, uh, He's like, he was like trying to plug in the computer to like screen share one time with me. Like, uh, like normally these meetings are like set up by somebody else, but like, if it's just you two, like, Hey, you got to do it, plug it in. And he's like, he's fucking cables. He's like, you know, honestly, I think I could create like the Apple for like accessories for computer accessories. He's like, just like the best connecting cables, the best cable management, the best plugs. He's like, he's like, nobody He's like, look at this. It's like every office in the world has these. And look at how bad they look, how ugly they are, how poorly That's they a function, really good idea. how confusing they are. He's like, I think you could just build like a really nicely designed cables and connectors and accessories company for every office in the country. And like, you know, people would uh, people would pay for it. And I was like, huh, like, why do you think of these things? Like, this is weird. And so that's what people say about you. He had a dozen ideas that were like this when I was there. All right. That's one I'll, thing that I noticed. We'll wrap this Go up ahead. real quick. But I um there's this famous story. So this guy named Chris Sacco was a popular investor and invested in uh, Instagram and a bunch of other stuff in Uber. And he's supposed to be one of the best angel investors of all time. He told this story somewhere where he is in Tahoe or Truckee, where he has a home and he's with his dad and Travis Kalanick, right when he was about to start Uber, came over to just spend the weekend, you know, a family vacation. And Travis um, and, and Chris Sacco's dad, Mr. Sacco, they start playing uh, Wii Tennis. And Travis is playing and the dad's playing and they just like uh, are being casual. And Travis was like, all right, you want to step it up? So he steps it up and he just crushes him and he just beats this guy like so bad. And uh, Mr. Sacco is like, what the hell, man? And Travis goes, I've got a surprise to show you. And he puts the Wii from his left hand into his right hand. He goes, I was playing left handed the whole time. I'm actually right handed. Let's really play. And he goes, Travis goes, all right, but I do have to tell you something. And they go to the ratings board. And he's number two in the whole world at Wii Tennis. And Chris Sacco was like, <laughs> right then and there, I realized I never want to compete against this guy because his drive and his hobby is winning. And he just proved that like in his free time of starting this company, he's just going to be number one in the world at Wii Tennis just because, <laughs> just because he has to. And he just hustled my dad thinking that he was left-handed and it worked perfectly. This guy is a winner. And that's why Chris Sacco said he invested in him. He's like, I just see his intensity in just walking around. Dude, 100% agree. Uh, Peter Thiel is the same way. He's like a master or grandmaster at chess. And like the, uh, in the PayPal mafia, which is now like the most successful entrepreneur group ever, uh, I think several of them were like very, very high level chess players um, th th that that have got, gone through that, you know, that, that like we're, we're in that thing. There's like something to the, the oven burns hotter that's like true for some of these people. It's a combination of intensity and capability. Um, that, is, that is definitely true. Like, uh, another kind of like observation that I was like, huh, that's weird. That doesn't seem normal. Um, so I guess two little ones. One was, I was like, what do you do for fun? Like, what do you, when you hang out, like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, like I love board games. He's like, you should come over for like a board game night. And I was like, uh, okay, like what, what, what are we playing? Like, you know, Monopoly, like Twister, what do we, what do we got going here? And he's like, he just looked at me like, we only play like deep strategy games. And it was like, Ugh. we only play Catan on like hard mode or like even Catan is like the beginner one. You like name two other games. I don't even know about that. Like, you know, are like this, the, the, like the board games that are like actually, you know, like multi-level multi-hour strategy games. And basically it was, 
him and the brothers from Stripe and like the the founder of Reddit, and they would just get together and play these games on the weekend. <laughs> like that's what they did. That's for exactly fun. how I like, want them to spend their time. <laughs> exactly. So I thought that was kind of funny. And then the the other one was like, um, we were in a meeting and he we were talking about like I don't know like some policy like oh these you know whatever. What, Yes. Some girl streaming on Twitch and like her nipples showing like, is that okay? But it's like, you know, she lives in Denmark. You know, what are the rules around this? Should we ban her or like what? And and so there was always these policy questions coming up over and over and over again. And it felt like you can't win because whatever Twitch did, it was like, oh, dude, they're trying to control us, censor us like they're inconsistent. They should have also changed it over here. Like it was a no win policy. And then, you know, like he would he would have these like he would have these hobbies, which is like reading like old books that nobody would read, like no normal person's reading these books. And then he'd be able to connect the dots on two like completely unrelated things. It's sort of like Ben's podcast stuff where it's like, oh, actually, like, you know, the Rothschilds similarly set this up in a, you know, set up their will in a weird way because of this. Maybe you should do this. Like, dude, how do you know all this like really specific stuff from history? He would be like, do you know how the potato farmers governed their like, you know, farms in the Netherlands during the potato drought? And then, like, the head of policy at Twitch is like, no, just tell me what. He's like, actually, they had created this governing council that was blah, 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 blah. And, like, the cool thing about this rule of law was blah, blah, blah. Maybe we should, you know, you should read that. Like, tell me what you think about it. <laughs> and they're like, all right, like, where do I find this, like, out-of-print book that you read, like, randomly? And you remember what the potato farmers did? And so he would always bring these, like, really unrelated examples in. Um, that was one thing. And the other one was... You, he would debate you over semantics like to death. So you would be like, um, you know, like it'd be like an exec offsite. He'd be like, and some people be like, you know, I just feel like we don't have enough like trust on the team. And everyone's like nodding like, yeah, you know, like, you know, he's like collaboration is a problem or whatever. And he'd be like, well, is it trust or collaboration? Because trust means this and collaboration means this. And they're like, well, you know, just like the general like trust, collaboration, just like working together better. He's like, but like again, define for me what you mean when you say trust. I just want to make sure I have it right. And he's not trying to like, it's not a gotcha. He wants, he's like a hyper literal person. So he's like, when you say it's failing, I take that to mean it's failing. Is it failing or is it this other thing? And people are like, just getting lost in the sauce of this like semantical debate. Um, but like, he really wanted to be hyper literal about it. And I've never seen anybody do this in a, you know, there were upside that gave a bad example here, but like, I think you understand the general premise, which is that he really cared about words, what they mean and why we're using them. And if we're using them correctly to describe what's going on and everybody else was kind of hand wavy about stuff, especially like the higher you go up in an organization, you sort of get paid for being sort of high hand wavy like a politician. And he was the opposite of that. So these were some of the things I noticed that now when I invest in founders, I'm like, like I invested in this guy who created this company called Skio. And he's like, yeah, I'm this like, I was like, what'd you do before this? He's like, oh, I was a professional Call of Duty player. Like before that, I was, huh. you know, I was like grinding in World of Warcraft. Like uh, it was a waste of time, but like, yeah, I was, you know, top three in the world or whatever. It's like, what? Uh, oh, you were like a top three StarCraft player? Like, you know, in this, on the on the East Coast server? Like, okay, you're a winner and you're obsessive and you are like, you find the rules of the game and then you like optimize to win it. And sure enough, now like with his thing, he's just like a wrecking ball with like acquiring customers because he just find this is the new game and he's like finding rules and he's like maximizing his edge and everything that he can do to the point where he's kind of like a nut job. Um, Dude, but like, you know, it works at the end of episodes like this. I'm exhausted. I feel like I just exerted <laughs> so much energy, both listening and speaking. Do you have to take a nap at the end of this? Cause you just spoke like 
with incredibly high energy for we've done this for we're an hour and 17 minutes in do you get exhausted i i take naps after no not at all i uh really? i leave these on a high um so do I'm i but then i need to go to always I, you well yeah you never have water i usually drink three drinks while i'm i'm doing these but like i'm exhausted i get exhausted just listening well that's probably my fault so i'm sorry uh, <laughs> I no, no, it's, like, a, it's, it, it's a good exhausted. I'm like, God, I just learned so much and I need to get so much better at this, this and this by hearing this story. And I was just so intensely listening and enthralled by this conversation that I, I need a nap. I've got to go lay down. I, I got to go rest. Balaji went on Tim Ferriss's podcast and did like a three hour podcast. And I listened to it last night. And like literally while it was happening, I could feel my brain fatiguing, just trying to like digest what this man was saying he's so and by the way you also hear tim tim ferris sound i love tim ferris tim ferris sounds like an absolutely defeated man on these podcasts with balaji because balaji would be like um anarcho you know on one hand you have the woke capitalist on the other hand you have the anarcho uh anarcho you know, the anarcho capitalist do you know what i mean when i say that and tim's like no tell me and like that happens 40 times in the episode he's like um are you familiar with the concept of the uh you know the schrodinger window Tim's like, um, no, but I assume you can tell me. And he's like, <laughs> he just does that over and over and over Dude, again. Dude, one time when he was with he's, us, he was like, he was like, you know, Bitcoin is kind of like Battle of the Bulge. And you remember how the Germans were doing it? And I'm like, Dude, I don't, I needed an analogy for your analogy. Like you don't, please don't reference Battle of the Bulge when trying to explain a complicated topic. Like, right, you know, right. it's like, you know, Bitcoin's kind of like, uh, like neuroscience. Like, you know how like the chemicals of like this, this, and this interact this He's way? Like, think about the, think of Bitcoin, Bitcoin as the amygdala of the crypto ecosystem. Yeah. It's like, well, what's the amygdala, <laughs> yeah. dude? I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's what weird. that's what was happening, and uh, I guess I did that to you in this case. But no, um, you, you're you're well, you're way dumber. I could totally keep up with that. It just was a good story. <laughs> <laughs> no, you just talk more. <laughs> no, I thought it was good. That was a compliment. I get exhausted because I'm like so into it. Like I like I I I love hearing these stories so much. We used to do these mastermind uh, like dinners or hangouts where it'd be me, Sam, and like three other guys, and we'd meet up every two weeks or, or three weeks, something like that. And it would always be like, you know, each person gets 20 minutes and you just sort of say what's going on in your business, what's working what and what you want help, what you want the other guys to like, you know, basically help you think through. And then, and those things last, basically, if you just do the math, it's like six people, 20 minutes each, but everybody runs 10 minutes over. And like, you know, we start 10 minutes late. It's like, this thing is three hours long. And we would always start it after work. So we'd start it at like seven. It would finish at 10, 1030. Uh, we skipped dinner. Nobody's like gone to the bathroom. And basically there was two reactions. Some people were like fucking exhausted by the end of this. And they're like, Oh, this was great. But like, man, next time let's try to be a little shorter. Uh, and like, I get that logically my reaction. And we used to do some of these at your office. I remember, um, at the hustles office, I don't know if you know this, I would leave your office at 10, 10 30. And I would go straight to my office and I would just work for four or five straight hours because I was Dude, like, I can't do that. I was so inspired. I was like a combination of inspired by the, like your guys awesomeness. Um, panicked that like oh my god i have so much i need to do that i now realize and like oh fuck i need to do all of this and i'm just gonna try to do as much as i can tonight uh and like i was is a combination of like enthusiasm and like feeling overwhelmed by like the amount of potential and ideas and like stuff i could be doing to make our stuff grow more no i gotta better. go like drink gatorade and take a power nap 
Like, <laughs> you I know what I mean? Like, I got, yeah, I need to fuel up. I'm going to go eat a cliff bar. I get worn out. I'm like, my blood sugar is low. I can feel it. <laughs> I guess that's the episode, right, Ben? Yeah.